Welcome. You've joined the Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Our show is here to help you achieve better, better love, better sex, and a better, more intimate relationship. Are you ready? Take notes and send us your questions. This is the Sexy Lifestyle. Now, here are your hosts, Carol and David. Hey, everyone. Are you ready to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny? Well, you've come to the right place because that's what the sexy lifestyle is all about. And you know, David and I are passionate about making your sex life the best it can be. We sure are. And you know, we love talking and learning about everything related to sex and sexuality, sexual health, and of course, sexual pleasure. We love diving deep into the naughty, the taboo and the unknown. And we hope our discussions open up your dialogue about great sex because, well, great sex matters and we all deserve it. We sure do. So, are you curious about the future of sex and the role of sex tech in our lives today and the decades to come? Can you imagine a world where people will have real relationships with robots, including companionship and sex? Well, on today's show, we'll be talking about the upcoming academic conference, Reimagine Sexuality, where we review some of the topics that the expert presenters will be covering at the conference and share our opinions on why those topics are vital to our growth and understanding about human sexuality and how sex tech and AI will revolutionize our sexual experiences and change our perceptions about sex and sexuality forever forever absolutely all right but first as we do every show let me tell you about our top waterproof blanket because nobody wants to sleep in the wet spot and squirt is hot until it's not but even if you're not a squirter and you're still fed up with sleeping in that wet spot or having to change your sheets every time you have sex then you need one of our top waterproof blankets it's 100% waterproof and leak-proof, and it guarantees to keep your bed and mattress dry no matter how wet it gets. It protects against messy massage oils, silicone lubes, and all other sexy wetness. And when you're done, you just throw it in the washer and dryer, and it comes out looking like brand new. Remember, great sex is messy sex. So to keep your bed dry, simply go to Amazon and search for Top Waterproof Blanket. That's T-O-P waterproof blanket and order yours today great sex starts now it sure does and before we forget we want to invite you to join us with april and scott from the naughty gym as they host their first full takeover of hedonism 2 in jamaica for the week of january 6th to 13th 2024 we'll be broadcasting on location for their sexy fitness week and for more information you can go to their website or our website thesexylifestyle.com and book the sexiest and most erotic vacation ever. And we hope to see you there. All right, should we get on with the show? Yes, please. Let's go. You know we're Carol and David. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. And we're so excited to welcome back today's special guest. Our good friend, Bobby Bidochka, is a true entrepreneur with many talents. She's the author of Sexual Intelligence in Business, as well as the co-chair of the academic conference, Love and Sex with Robots, and newly appointed as the director of Le Shaw, the International Sexual Health and Wellness Institute. Welcome back. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. So nice to have you, Bobby. We love having you here. Of course, you're a neighbor and you're here in our studio with us, which is so fun. So thanks so much for taking time to be here with us. My pleasure. Such a privilege to live close. And you know what? I know you've been on our show and you've hosted a couple of shows for us already, but why don't you just remind everybody who you are and what you're passionate about these days? What's going on with you? Well, everything is about sex and sex tech these days that's for sure so we really doubled down now with this new position at the research institute you know running the academic conference um yeah i mean that's finished my master's in sex sociology so yeah we're 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 in it to win it here yay awesome so you did a master's in sex sociology yes i did wow and during that were one of the courses in the master's masturbation (laughs) They were not. I just um, had to, to say, but that. that's okay. No, during uh, during the masters, it was also, um, you know, I was doing that to create content for my next book the first time, and so that's all of all of the academic co- content that I created during my masters will be converting into the book. And which how's I, that coming? It's coming along. I hope for it to be out uh, in bookstores by the end of the year. My goodness, that's awesome! That'll be your second publication. Yes. Wow. Yes. Wow, that is great. And let's just remind everybody about how you ended up in this world of sexuality or how you got started in the world of sexuality. I mean, it really started with the Me Too movement. It was, um, you know, 
as soon as the Me Too movement happened, like the second iteration, not the first iteration, um, you know, with the Har- Harvey Weinstein, and then everybody started to, you know, write corporate sexual harassment policy and things like that. And I just found the the environment really got a bit dodgy. People just didn't know what to do, what to say, how to be, and how can we, you know, the question became, how can we eliminate sexual harassment without getting in the way of organic relationships that are happening uh, when you spend the majority of your time either in the workplace or the professional world? Yeah, because world. men and women are together all the time. And yes, we have to be professional, but we also have to get along and not worry yeah, about, exactly. did I say the right thing? Did mm-hmm. I not say the right thing? I mean, all people, not just men and women, yeah. but, you know, all genders and, 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 and sex people, anybody who wants to sort of happens to be attracted to someone that they're working with or at least, you know, within the professional environment, we don't want to Im- infringe on on that happening. Just so long as everything's consensual and maybe not doing it at the desk. Right, um, that would but, be. Under yeah. the desk. <laughs> Under the desk instead, right? <laughs> Stuff like that, yeah. 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 And that's how you started in this work. Yeah, I just felt compelled to to write about it because definitely, you know, the conversations that I was having with people, it was an issue, but everybody was too afraid to say anything because it felt like, well, I don't, if I say anything, it sounds like I'm against me too, which we're not. Right. Um, and so how do, we, how do we address this? So I just felt like, okay, nobody... Definitely, there's an issue here. Um, but while I was doing the research for the book, I just discovered that I loved the subject. I loved doing it. I'm like, this is my jam. This but, but for someone who we know now is so passionate about the world of sexuality and researching sexuality and getting out credible information, when you were growing up, were you a person who enjoyed sex? Were you? Did you start having sex at a young age? I mean, I, I did, but... I'd have to say that enjoying sex as a teenager, um, I don't know, it was a, you're a bit immature at that age. So yes, I started, I would say, probably too early. Um, but it certainly taught me a lot of a lot of things about myself and about relationships and things like that. Um, I'm not I wouldn't say I'm a proponent of of you know, teenage sex. Yeah. Um, but definitely we need to be educating teenagers about it. And there just was a lack of sex education as, back as you, then. But as you grew up, were you like, hey, I want to learn more. I want to know more. I want to get more information. And now you have the opportunity to do it because you're in a career that allows you. Or did it just pop into your brain when the, when the whole Me Too movement said is, you know, I'd like to get on this bandwagon? No, I mean, it, during my 20s, um, I was very experimental. So I was definitely curious. I don't think I, I didn't make some sort of explicit decision like, oh, I'm curious. I want to go learn about this. It was just my curiosity drove my actions. So during my my 20s, I did a lot of experimentation and all kinds of different people, different configurations and different places. I'm sure places. you and Carol would have been best friends growing <laughs> up. Probably her experimentation, so. she did also. Probably so. But then I got married and had babies. And so that sort of went on pause um, for a bit. And then, you know, once the kids got to be a certain age sort of the the so the pendulum starts to swing back to you know right. your normal state and i realized mm-hmm. that right. this is this is a space that i'm i'm comfortable with and a lot of people aren't and so i felt sort of compelled like if i'm comfortable with it then i should be i should be advocating for it for the people that that aren't or how do we how do we turn that around turn that on its head so that more cool. people are comfortable no, it's cool. very cool because not too many people will do that dive into a topic that they don't even know or not even working in and really find out about it and then now be an advocate so you're and a successful one look at you you've got a new appointment and this great all of this is working out for you but last time you were on our show you told us about this amazing person you met david levy tell us about him and how he's helped mold your views on sexuality and sex tech and sure. sex in the future. Yes. Uh, I mean, you know, when I was about to finish the book and I realized, okay, so I now I realize that I'm interested in this topic and I want to pursue it. That means I have to start going, making friends with the community and sort of involving myself um, so that I could learn more and figure out who's who in the zoo and, you know, what, what can I, where can I go with this? Um, so just through networking, um, I got introduced to, to David Levy and, you know, as we got talking, you know, they had, they had run the the conference Love and Sex and Throat. So the there there's an academic conference that's based off his book, which was also based off his PhD. Um, and which is called Love and Sex with Robots. Oh, 
convenient. Okay. Yes. Um, so the book is Love and Sexist Robots. The conference is Love and Sexist Robots. And they had run four iterations of it up to the point when, when I joined. And, you know, they were looking for younger people to get involved. Definitely a woman uh, getting involved. So they're very happy. And he liked my energy. And he thought, okay, great. Let's involve her. Um, and then it just sort of, you know, it, it went from there. So, you know, David is not, you know, spring chicken anymore. And he, he was, I think, looking to sort of pass the torch um, to someone. And so, you know, I was, I was dedicated. Um, the, the following conference went really well. So just over time, I gained that trust. Um, and now it's evolved to, so year after year, we're, we're growing. Now we're a nonprofit. Um, so like it's, it's just evolving very nicely. They were, it's becoming respected in the community, in the academic community. Cool. So just let's explain what an academic conference is. It's not for everybody to join. It's for teachers and intellects. It's for um, academics in particular. So in the academic world, so what does that mean? That means prof- people know them as professors from the outside world, but inside they are they're researchers. Right. They're they are principal investigators, and they they conduct their research um, in in sex or sex tech, depending on you know across all sorts of disciplines: ethics, philosophy, law, psychology, engineering. So it really anthropology, sociology, so across the board, um, but. When you are an academic, you're mandated to present. It's part of the package. You have to present at conferences. And there are, there's a few, there's a handful of really great academic conferences um, already out there, but none that are focused on sex tech in particular. Right. Um, and so we're sort of feeling that niche. Um, yes, the the sex with robots is sort of the extremist version yeah. of, of the studies, but we have everybody from, you know, psycho- talking about... Um, you know, uh, sex toys, teledildonics, um, VR, VR porn, VR therapy. So anything that sort of ev- involves tech in one way or the other um, is welcome to come present at the conference. But we do actually allow the general public to come. Oh, okay. There you um, go. Yes. And because this is also a knowledge translation project. Right, so what does right. that mean? Most of sex research, actually, most of all academic research remains within academia because it's behind a paywall. So if mm-hmm. you don't subscribe to these very expensive journals, nobody really gets access to them okay. unless you have a great researcher like Justin Miller who write, makes books yeah. for the public yeah. to translate his research. So it's really about sharing knowledge for those who uh, are in the industry and sharing the research projects that are going on and bringing more and more knowledge. Yeah, so it's, it serves the academic community because they have to present and each other, like the academic community goes to the conferences because they also want to know what is everybody else doing. Yeah. Um, so it's for them, but it's also for industry to come and learn about what's going on and see if there's a potential partnership between industry and academia and then for the general public. So if you're curious about what the heck is going on with sex robots, this, this sounds scary, go. then yeah. come and hear yeah. about, you know, from the researcher point of view. But the business world is growing in the sex tech industry is all linked oh, together yeah. so mm-hmm. the, everybody needs to know what's going on because this is a hugely um, growing segment right? yes in the business world 100% wow that's very cool what, what's included in sex tech I mean we use the word a lot but I think it's a pretty wide umbrella that covers many different industries yeah it's it's very broad it could be anything from an app um, it could be like an example of an app that would be sex tech um, I mean, there's. I think I heard of one that um, uh, that monitors your periods, like for women's periods, exactly. And when they're going to have their hormones yes. fluctuating and stuff. Yeah, it there's doesn't a, exactly. There's an app for that that would be considered sex tech. Absolutely. So it's everything from just general health. It could be reproductive health. It could be men's health. It could be any kind of just health period tracker. Sex um, toys. Everything from teledildonics um, all the way to it's it's a platform, an education platform like Tickle.life. Um, educated. Yep. So there's there's educate. Yeah, be educated. Um, you know, all all those kinds of folks too. So anything where like there's a technology involved, and it includes camming and um, cam girls and. Mm-hmm that kind of stuff as well yeah because of the technology that's involved in vr that. porn vr yeah. therapy okay. sex therapy um so you know and of course sex dolls yes and all that new ai that's going on with yeah. the sex dolls and Absolutely. companions mm-hmm. and that kind of thing so sex tech is very very broad yes and we don't think about it a lot because we're so used to apps and we're so used to things helping us so even if it's a a, um, a health app we don't think about it as being part of sex tech but in the future, it's going to make 
like I really feel that there's so much potential that we will be feeling a lot more of sex tech in our future to come. Absolutely. I mean, everything, we seem to be solving all problems now through technology one way or the other. So, and if it hasn't been yet, it's going to be um, in the future. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, sex is a very, it depends who you're talking to, right? So some people don't think about um, urinary tract infection as as a sex thing. Um, it's It sort of falls more into health thing, STIs, AIDS. Um, so, you know, historically we've been, focused on the negative aspects of uh, erectile dysfunction, vaginal dryness, um, you know, menopause, all of these things actually fall under sexual health and wellness. People just don't think of it like that. They think sex, oh my God, it's just porn. Right, exactly. Yeah. And porn, I I guess porn, would that be considered sex tech? Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, if they're using technology to either produce it or Or distribute it or distribute it for whatever, I mean, then it kind of falls under. And what do you think are some of the big challenges that sex tech is living today and will live going forward? I mean, right now, just getting the word out through social media is now the pretty much the only way to advertise. And because of all the community guidelines um, preventing anything sex related they just and it's done through ai yeah. which means it's it's just completely non-discriminatory so anything right. that even like looks close to it gets canceled and so it's very very difficult for sex tech companies to get the word out to especially the people. startups you know there's the big guys out there who have their own ways their own channels but um, i mean we were talking to avril louise clark who works with erica lust at the porn conversation and they had all their social media wiped out along with 10 or 15 other companies in one day. And she actually went back and challenged, I think it was Instagram, to put back their account. And because it was the porn conversation is um, all about education, parents and kids. And they won. They got it put back. And um, like you said, it's bots that are taking it down. And then you have to jump through um Oops, really Hoops to speak to bells people and whistles yeah. to speak to someone to get it put back and and really there's not enough sex education out there and it's a shame that in the mainstream social media it's being taken down when what the world needs more is education on sex tech and sex education yeah absolutely so i mean the marketing is is probably one of the biggest pain points second is um getting investment mm-hmm. because there's not a lot of market data and there's a lot of taboo still surrounding sex oh, yeah. today. Yes. And from what I understand, it's mostly men at the corporate helm making decisions about where the money's going to go. So if it's not going to directly help them, perhaps they might not be interested. Like, for example, in a new app that might help the menstrual tracking or something. It's not so much money going towards women's health is what I understand as well. Is that I mean, true? that is true to a certain extent. So it, it the a lot of the bigger venture capital firms are yeah they're still um you know the managing partners and whatnot are, are still mostly men yes but you know ironically you would think is so for those who are critical say of of porn um or sex tech and things like that you know they sort of blame like oh it's all for men for men for men it's like well then you would think that they would be incentivized to invest in it but what a lot of people don't understand about venture capital is that the the managing partners often aren't the funders so they get their money from other places sometimes through government pension sometimes through government funding um and through other sort of um large uh, high net worth of individuals that dictate um how to spend that how money. to spend that money right so it isn't always about the managing partner making mm-hmm. those decisions mm-hmm. on top of that then there's the mastercard and visa compliance which mm-hmm. um gets in the way also and then you have um you know ENCOS, which is a lobby group in the u.s that are responsible for the sesta fosta um uh regulations in the u.s that are are causing all this causing all these right? censorship yes. things and so there's just there's more to it than that mm-hmm. um but it's definitely a problem mm-hmm. absolutely and are they seeing the same type of problem in europe as well yeah but less it depends where you go right okay. so germany prostitution is legal 
Yeah, exactly. Right. And so you, you see also a accumulation of sex tech companies that are in Going Germany. There, yeah. um, they're also like ironic on the street. If you ask your average person, you know, it's like, no, we're conservative <laughs> type of thinkers. But yet, you know, on the other flip side, they are also very liberal on certain but things. But also they don't realize how conservative Americans are, you know, or how against sex Americans are. It's not compared. Americans, it's the right wing conservative, right? Of, so it's of like the American society. Yeah. Yes. So okay. there's a there's a particular right. that's um, why we're seeing it here. It's coming yeah. out here. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And, and Europe just generally speaking, their venture capital is not as robust mm -hmm. uh, as as it is in the US. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So right. we hear a lot today about AI, artificial intelligence, and there's a lot of it out there with respect to call centers and our vehicles and all the new stuff coming out there. How is AI influencing or affecting the sex tech industry? I mean, right now, I would say that it is helping. It, you know, there's tools, AI tools out there that can help, like ChatGPT, that can help you do certain things to, you know, automate your business. So there's that. So, but that's across the board. That's not specific to sex tech. Um, the same issues are arising as, say, you know, with the artist strike um, right now, where people are concerned that, um, you know, generative AI is going to be able to write shows, to not just write shows, but create new content, content, yeah. um, and write music, write li dialogue, or porn. Yeah. That's um, right. Now, on the flip side, you think, okay, well, that would be great because that sort of solves the oppression of women. Mm -hmm. uh, forcing women to do sex work as the, you know, the, the radical feminists would part, um, that technology should solve that problem. But there's also a concern, like, will people be interested in interacting, uh, sexually with the generative AI, um, as opposed to a real say cam model. Um, and so, you know, that definitely this is something that everyone's looking at. Um, and it could go either way or both ways, right? It, it could really help certain companies to, to elevate their business. Um, but then at the same time, it could crush some other type of business. The way that, the way that um, Pornhub disrupted traditional porn filmmaking, yeah. um, right? So that, yeah. that is always the, the case in tech, new technologies is it both, it both disrupts and advances else, yeah. certain people and other people. And so it's a bit hard to predict who, who's going to get the short end of the stick. In, in yeah. our second segment of the show, we're going to talk about um, the AI that is being um, built into robots and, you know, love and sex with robots is all about, um, can you have a companionship with a robot and can they learn um, your likes and dislikes and um, I think that AI is is making that happen absolutely and yeah the answer to those two questions are yes and yes mm -hmm. um, and mostly because it's currently happening so what we know say take replica for example so replica is a AI chatbot that um, a lot of people have sort of a relationship with and I don't know if you remember um, around nine months ago just like OnlyFans sort of had a bit of a blip where they're like oh my god we need to cut sexual content Replica did the same thing so a lot of people were having sexual conversations with Replica and then they probably got in trouble from MasterCard like everybody else does. Yeah. Um, and they're like, oh, we have to cut this content. And the community just went crazy. Um, and some people, like there was depression, anxiety, suicides. Like you've taken away my, my, my person, yeah. my companion. Yeah. Um, I mean, what we know from psychology in the fact that we, we know that children make attachments with their teddy bear or their blanket and whatever. So humans already have the capacity to attach to things that aren't human. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it stands to reason that that may continue into adulthood. I mean, take a look at how we, why some people have with their phones, like it never leaves their yeah. hand, like it's yeah. an appendage, right? Yeah. Um, and so even even still, it if, if someone has a robotic arm because they had an amputation or whatever, that becomes sort of part of them. Mm -hmm. And, and there's lots of examples like that. So it really isn't that much of a stretch. And if you look at the way the companion robots are advancing, you know, they're, they're building these robots so that they could possibly be with senior citizens and, yeah. and help them to, yeah, so companions. Uh, they're going to be companions. Yeah. And so, 
that implies that you think that that person is going to be able to accept that person as a companion, treat them, talk to them like a companion. Well, we talk to our dogs all the time. You know that, right? And yes. They never talk back. So they're great. <laughs> <laughs> but the robots will. Well, that would be nice. I was saying it would be nice if your dog could talk back to you. So, but we doesn't stop us from talking to them because they are our companions. Yeah. And we know through the technology of conversational AI that it can definitely, like there's no question, maybe if you would ask someone 10 years ago, but there's, we've been already interacting with AI and it getting to learn um, your likes and dislikes. And of course, that's going to be far fetched anymore. This is a real deal. It's happening. It's today. What's so cool is 30 years ago on Star Trek The Next Generation, when you had Data, um, who was an android, who was a robot, Mm -hmm. and his whole goal was to learn how to become more human. And the one thing he didn't have was a sense of humor. And he tried learning and and they went through the whole thing and then they put him through the whole um, series of falling in love and having sex. And I mean, that was before all AI and the internet was out there. So Gene Roddenberry, who created Star Trek, was really, and he has been with Star Trek, um, always ahead of what was coming in the future. And so it's, it's very, very cool. Now with all this AI and sex tech, how important is sex education for the sex tech industry to continue to thrive. I mean, it's it's critical, not just for the industry, like for the planet. Yeah. Because first of all, it is so politicized. So I wrote a paper about this where just trying to figure out why is sex education not comprehensive, even though it exists, it's 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 promoted by the UN, um, but on the on the ground, it, it is just it's impossible to implement because of of the I'm talking about the US context, yeah. but it, it does also gravitate um, into Canada as well. I mean, I can't speak for anywhere else. Um, that's where that's where my research was done. Um, but you know, the best that you can get is about AIDS and maybe contraception if you're lucky, right. depending on the state right. um, and things like that. And so, of course, everyone's all bent about you know teenagers turning to i mean it just takes google even you don't even need pornhub no. google right. google penis yeah and click images and it's all there yeah. right so kids are learning um through that way parents are too scared to talk about it um and so then you have a problem with they're learning the wrong things and so the sex tech industry is trying to like t- take a hold of that and providing platforms um to people where they can learn I don't want to say the right way, but better um, through more and more research-based, evidence-based, realistic types of sex education. But like the whole section, the comprehensive sex education program, the material exists. They just refuse to implement it. Well, I think think parents should grow some balls <laughs> and get down to it take all that um, material that's out there for parents to teach their children and make sure they're teaching them just like how to eat good food they should teach them how to have or what sex and sexuality is all about age appropriately but all that material is out there for parents as well you know it is. we've had i don't know how many guests on our show and avril louise clark from the porn conversation confirmed it that by the age of about eight children have experienced or been exposed to something sexual pornographic. And parents who are ignoring the fact or saying, not my child, have to wake up, Carol says, grow some balls, yeah. and have that age-appropriate conversation with their kids. And ongoing. Ongoing. Yeah. Because, yeah. first of all, the world and accessibility to sexuality is changing on a, on a yearly basis. Um, the technology, the chatbots, everything out there, and the kids... Three-year-olds know how to use phone. They know how to use technology. And if you're going to allow them to look at this stuff without a reference point mm-hmm. about what it is, porn is not educational. It's it's entertainment. Mm-hmm. Fast and the Furious is entertainment, not how to Don't learn, learn how, how to drive, drive a car. car right? <laughs> uh, Mission Impossible is not how you jump off a mountain. You know, all that stuff. And, and as parents, we talk to our kids about different movies and what they're seeing and love scenes. And, but that sexual conversation has to happen early on. And sometimes parents need to go to classes and learn how to talk to their kids about sexuality. Especially yeah. if they're not comfortable. Right. Yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. And we actually don't have the vocabulary. We, we're not taught the vocabulary ourselves, but that material for teaching it 
is out there it using is. the right words yeah. at the right time saying how it's supposed to be so I, I i'm hoping more and more parents will take this education in their own hands because it's not happening outside of our no home, and you so. know what's crazy i mean we are full on 150 percent supporters of the lgbtq plus community and it's all out there we have pride days we have everything and we put a lot of time and effort and there's corporations who are all all in to support it but I don't hear about any corporations supporting sexual education for parents and for kids just on the basics. And I, I don't know why we don't do that. We're at, you know, the uh, different extremes. But I mean, money needs to be put into educating parents and families on the proper way to talk about sexuality. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, the uh, another added layer of complexity is that there actually is a lot of resources online about sex, sex education, some of them better than others. Right. And so parents don't know, like, is this the good one? Mm. Is this isn't the good one? So that's also an issue. Um, of course, I would steer everybody to the UN. With It's a fully comprehensive, research-based, comprehensive education program. Um, but but again, it's like it's just overwhelming, right? And it so is. it's there's a lot and of material. Don't even know where to begin. No, they don't. Yeah. So no. it's more of a simplistic parents' version is what's needed out there, and a guide to it, or a guide videos or whatever it might be to help parents sit with their kids, and even if they can't say the words, show a video to whatever. your kid. Yeah. You sit with it. Kids don't need to know everything at one shot. They just need to know little pieces at a time, and you know, or just be there. Growing up, your growing up, there was that talk you had with your dad. Well, that talk shouldn't exist today because it should be a continual conversation throughout the child's growth and yeah. maturity and puberty and adolescence of all the different things that they're going to experience throughout their life. And they have to be open enough so the child feels comfortable talking to the parent. Yeah. But again, you know, it's it's that material exists out there but then how do we market that right. how do we communicate that to people yeah. we cannot because cannot. then it gets blocked on social media exactly. and so it's a real quagmire which is why the the actual solution would be to get the curriculum in schools because that way is kind of mandated but that relies and on it, a government the right stuff is being taught yeah yeah but yeah. It, again there's not a consensus on what is right and what is not right. i don't know yeah. i don't know yes, it's very complex yes, it shouldn't even be a right wrong it's no, like here's no. what's out there right, right? here is the you can i mean i'm i'm, I'm, I'm I'm, I'm, I definitely believe there should be some component of sex education in schools, but I am an absolute 100% believer that it has to start with the parents. Yeah. And that's not, at the moment, it's really not, not what we're hearing anyway. No, no. Yeah. But no. that needs to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Well, on that note, let's just take a quick break and remind everybody that this is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David, and we're having an amazing discussion with Bobby Bidochka from Love and Sex with Robots and many other places. <laughs> Coming up next is our favorite segment, Great Sex Matters, where we'll talk a little bit more about the future of sex and the upcoming seminar, Reimagine Sexuality. But before we move on, let's just remind everybody about Topless Travel and the amazing trips that we have planned for the rest of this year and of course early into next year as well absolutely and we've just booked a whole bunch of our flights so we'll be able to tell you all about these amazing trips that we do with topless travel who offers the sexiest and most erotic vacation experiences from hedonism 2 in jamaica desire in cancun and all the bliss cruise adventures topless travel absolutely is our number one choice and needs to be yours their trips are all about pushing boundaries and exploring your naughty side and their exclusive sexy host couples including party mark are always there to ensure that you have one hell of a sexy vacation absolutely and you know you'll find us on many of the amazing topless travel trips but listen up we're going to be back at Hedonism 2 for their topless hedonistic Halloween event from October 21st to 28th, 2023. And again, we're going back for the sexy silver event from February 17th to 24th, 2024. And we also want to remind you about Topless Travel's two bucket list trips from where we're going to be broadcasting. The first one is exploring the ancient pyramids of Egypt, followed by a seven-day riverboat cruise down the Nile from March 2nd to 13th, 2024. It's a once-in-a-lifetime adventure, experiencing a lots of history with many sexy, open-minded friends. And on the second bucket list trip, we'll be heading to Kenya for an African safari to witness the Great Migration, glamping in the wild savanna from September 2 to September 11th, 2024. This event is sold out, but you can get on the waiting list just in case someone cancels. Now you can see why we had to book so much flights. We got a lot of trips coming up. <laughs> Absolutely. 
So uh, go to toplesstravel.com um, before it's too late and you can book the sexiest and most erotic vacations ever. And as a quick reminder, if you're looking for an open-minded online community to find compatible people and events in your area, just go to sdc.com and use promo code 30314 for your first month free. That's sdc.com with the promo code 30314. And Carol and I are promising to shorten this ad because it's just taken up too much of the amazing information we get from our guests. So stay tuned. In the coming weeks, we will have a shorter ad. All right. Now that we have that done, you know we're Carol and David. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. Let's get back to our show. It's now time for our favorite part of the show where we get to talk about great sex because... Great sex matters and we all deserve it. So now let's look into some of the topics that are coming up on your seminar, Reimagine Sexuality. Uh, let's talk about these, why these topics are so important for us to discuss in our society, not just the academias. So the it's a partnership with LSR and Reimagine Sexuality. So LSR is Love, Sex, Love and Sex. Love with- and Sex with Robots, the academic conference, and we're partnering with Reimagine Sexuality Conference this year. They're more on the industry side, and so the, you know, a, a lot of the the topics aren't necessarily about you know how to have great sex. They're more about how to do the business, mm-hmm. um, how to overcome the the marketing hurdles, how to product development, um, things like that. So it is is really catered to folks that are already in the industry and want to learn about how to do you know better business. Um, and then together with LSR, which is the ac- academic side of things, that's where they're presenting things about how VR, VR therapy can help with sexual dysfunction, um, you know, sex with robots. Of course, that's always the topic uh, yeah. that comes up. Um, yeah, so we have a really um, hot list of a variety of topics. Well, we uh, talked a little bit earlier about the robots, and I'm sure a whole lot of people like me, I'm fascinated by this whole industry. Um, would but, you have sex with a robot? You know, I think I probably would. I would just have to try Bobby, it. would you have sex with a robot? <laughs> I mean, I'd I'd probably just do it for the curiosity of it. How large of a penis would the robot have to have? (laughs) Not large. I got a small box. (laughs) (laughs) Carol? Oh, as big as possible. (laughs) If you had to choose, you'd pick a big big one? I would, yes. You would? Yes, because, I mean... And I'm not going to say why. <laughs> I could just take a little bit of it or all of it, whatever mood I'm in that day. But if it's not there, I can't do it, can I? <laughs> I see, she doesn't get it with me. So no, you may as okay. well go bigger. Oh, no. You're just an average guy, but you're happy with your cock, babe, because it's beautiful. AWC, average white cock. There you go. All right. So, But wait, what I wanted to say was that my understanding is some of your speakers are, are doing uh, or are explaining their research, which I think this is so amazing that it's all research-based. Like This is really informative stuff that's not just maybe this is going to happen. This is happening now, and they're doing research with people now. I think that's just awesome. Yeah, with real people who really do have relationships either with their doll or with their sex robot. Um, yeah, people who are really experiencing positive outcomes from their VR therapy. Um, yeah, I mean, there's lots of really, really great stuff. Do you think a person could fall in love with a robot? I know it because we have them. Really? What if yeah. there's a power failure? Do they mourn them? No. <laughs> well, they're not plugged into the wall. Well, what <laughs> if the battery fails? Non-issue. Okay, I don't. Non-issue. I don't know. Do they die? Like, what? How, how is that going to happen? Actually, that's a very interesting point. I mean, to, have, to be fair, there's not a ton of people who have sex robots themselves because they're expensive. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's the what's the more ubiquitous is sex dolls, mm-hmm. um, and again, you know, if you think about it, like a sex robot itself has more correct anatomy, um, more realistic looking has a has the the AI to interact with as opposed to a sex doll which doesn't speak to you it doesn't have this the as realistic anatomy um, but people still have uh, full-on relationships with them okay do you, wait do you think no. there's gonna be marriages there is already oh boy. oh yeah oh yeah wow. that's a thing already my, my question's better than that okay go ahead my question is we were talking about AI and the AI is being put into these robots Will the robot be able to, especially a guy, a male, a robot with a penis, let me be (laughs) politically correct here, a robot with a penis, will he know when or how the woman that it is having sex with wants him to have an orgasm? Like if if she wants a quickie and he has to come quick or she wants... You think he's going to come? You think a robot's going to come? 
Well, with the AI, they're supposed to learn. And well, why, why wouldn't they? So the male sex robot um, advancements aren't, you know, as far be- because obviously women aren't as interested in them right as, now as, as, as men the are. men are, right? So the, oh, the female ones are, are far more advanced. Okay. Um, but they still don't move around, right? So if you think about generative AI, the, the way that it's going right now in conversational AI, then you take the advancements in Boston Dynamics. So Boston Dynamics, you know, they start, everybody knows that dog mm-hmm. shape thing, but they do have a humanoid okay. um, robot that is very agile. This thing can jump on rocks. Oh. It can do um, flips. It can do all sorts of, it's, it's getting I, very, I very accurate. Clips. Very yes. accurate. Yeah. Um, and then, so if you, if you mix those technologies, um, with the with the robots that are designed, say like through robotics, that are looking quite real. You know, they've got they've got the skin down pretty good. They got the hair. They got the texture. Um, you know, all of these things. Um, we've we've yet to study how realistic um, compared to um, so realistic women versus um, you know the robot vulva. Yeah. Um, so, but that's definitely you know on our radar. Um, nevertheless, it's so this is all coming together, but the the robots they don't move yet, right? So, mm. does the robot have an anus? Can you have anal sex with them? You can, yes. Wow. Yeah. 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 But I mean, you can you me. can expect <laughs> that that a male robot will eventually be designed to at least emulate the actions of what. Um, a male orgasm would look like, but I doubt it will. I don't think we need it to and do, and do the female no. ejaculate. ejaculate. I don't think no. so. Either. And do the female version? Um, does their pussy get wet, or do you need to use? Lube? It does not. You need to use lube at the moment, but I can imagine a future where you sort of there will be like a cavity where you sort of insert the lube, and, and it'll it would come out naturally. It'll come out. It'll 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 sort of generate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe at the rate of a of a normal. It depends. So the the debate right now is, do do people really want it to emulate the real female experience, or Be do different. they want it different or mm-hmm. better? Like sex toy. Yeah. And that's the that kind is. of research which is going going on now, and that's kind of how you share the the latest research. These are. These conferences are how this research comes out, right? This is yeah, we're so, really talking yeah, about this, like yeah. for real. Yeah, we're really looking at these things. Wow, yeah, that's so 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 interesting, and just. I don't know, having a companion who's sexual and safe must also help those who've maybe had sexual trauma, for but, example. But you know, you know yes. what well, 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 we forgot here, because I went on the whole sexual fucking portion <laughs> okay. of it. You did, David? Was that you? But so, <laughs> one of the big purposes of these robots is for a companion. Yeah, right. for those that for some reason can't have a real human companion. Right. Yes and no. Okay. So the research shows that um, when uh, people are offered the opportunity to maybe have sex with a robot, would you con- ask the question, would you consider having a sex robot? Would you consider having sex with it? Yes or no type of questions. There's a lot of people that uh, would be interested out of curiosity, just like you and right. I. Um, so there's that okay then there's also the people that for one reason or another there's a litany of reasons why someone either a is it not capable not interested not you know maybe they're maybe they're handicapped maybe they're not maybe they have uh, you know social issues maybe they don't but for one reason or another that they just would prefer prefer, or they prefer to have both they have a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a partner of some kind but they also Ah. Uh, want this so it's like in addition to yeah in addition to so it could be an augmentation it could be just like varieties the spice mm-hmm. of life perspective mm-hmm. like everyone's kind mm-hmm. of different right so there's a, there's a whole bunch of reasons it's not just solely for people who can't make their own relationships amazing I'm still so fascinated by all of this yeah amazing now let's get into cam workers like we talked about cam sex we talked about um, some cam models this is part of sex tech mm-hmm. so do you think that cam models for example are going to be or or have the potential of being emotional supporters for some of their their clients oh i know that for a fact actually so there's already studies that show like through the kinsey uh for example um and let's use live jasmine as an example they have three levels of membership um you know the first one is usually 
It's, you know, shorter. You get into a private chat with one of the models. It's more for sexual gratification. It's quicker. And it's always live, right? These are oh, live yeah. people on Absolutely. the other end. Yes, 100% okay. live. Um, then the next category is like more the girlfriend experience where they spend a little bit longer. Um, maybe the models have multiple sort of ongoing relationships um, um, with members that that come back and forth in and out. Um, and so they, they, they bounce around to different models. They and have to book time. They spread yeah, they get into a private chat and okay. and and do that, or even like in group chats. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there is the soulmate category, mm-hmm. which is where um, some people spend quite a bit of time, um, and a good deal of the conversation is non-sexual. So this is where people are sharing their lives, sharing their lives, like yeah. really connecting one on one. For long periods of time, like hours and hours, days and days. Yeah, we we were talking to someone who um, is actually, who does this, and she considers herself a companion. In the morning, um, the the guy keeps his camera on, and she comes on and says, good morning, what would you like? Uh, Are we going to have coffee together? And they go, and they have coffee together, and she sends them off to work, and then at lunchtime, he logs on, and they have a little chat, and it's it's really having that companion in your life that otherwise you wouldn't have. Yeah. I mean, maybe they do have a companion, but they also want more, you know, more mm-hmm. or they have nobody in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is maybe the only source of someone who is reliably going to be there. So, you know, someone might say, well, they're getting paid for it. So, you know, of course, they're going to act like it. But I mean, we know for sure that they have genuine relationships. Now, on the sites, they are absolutely prohibited of meeting in person. Okay. Um it, it's just because that turns into are they allowed to receive gifts or no, no. they can't okay. know their their address they okay. can't uh, so this is like 100 percent anonymous and safe non, it needs to be safe for the model um it needs to be safe for everybody um it, then it gets into prostitution mm-hmm. p- okay, potentially gotcha. and things like that mm-hmm. which is also i mean it's, it violates the compliance yeah, so visa gotcha. and mastercard have a lot of compliance where everyone needs to be um making sure that they don't violate any of any of those things but i mean i I think mostly I don't even know what the percentages maybe you do but it's mostly men who are the clients and the models are women is that correct mostly yes. mostly yes All but right. sometimes there's uh, couples mm-hmm. um, so couples to couples oh. um, there's also you know um, LGBTQ2 plus uh, people there's trans so mm-hmm. you know it it really runs the gamut but the majority is definitely um, you know male to female male who are, are the clients males the clients yeah yeah absolutely but I could kind of imagine how um, how this is like true how this is what they rely on for their i don't know um support just emotional support if they need someone to talk to they could be there to talk to and talk about anything whatever's bothering them well and we know these days what's going on with mental wellness yes um we have some major global issues uh surrounding that so it's it's a real thing um and not everybody you know has has the ability to capability access to you know support systems now i'm assuming that the performer also has support because they're going to maybe dealing with people who have issues so i'm hoping that they also have someone who's going to support them because this is their job they got to do this i mean it depends. Act. it depends it's an act. some of the 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 better platforms d- have all of this they okay. have you know psychologists that they could talk to um you know if if they feel at all abused or you know violated or any of that you know this is there are there are things in place um to try to take care Mm -hmm. of of all Uh, the performers themselves absolutely that makes sense so ladies i have a question for you we've been talking about all this and we keep saying you know it's the guys that want the robots it's the guys that go on to the campsites it's the guys that watch porn why don't women require a companion why don't women require a robot why don't women um I'm just just I'm just, if if you twenty five million dollar question yes, right, well, yes we're just better well <laughs> I am, let me tell I am, you I no there's research I can okay, tell you okay I can tell you so you know the the research shows that men respond to imagery and that women respond to stories and so if you take a look at the erotic literature and romance novels they eclipse all book genres by orders of magnitude. And so what does that mean? It means that women um, are equally interested in sex. Um, They just respond to different stimuli. Um, And so what we need to do as an industry and, you know, as on a global scale is stop shaming people for what they're 
their biology is is telling them, right? So women are usually um, the ones choosing the partner. Like if you take a look at just from a bi- evolution, biological evolutionary point of view, it is it is the peacocks running around and it is, the, it is the women choosing the mate based on certain criterias. Whereas it's the men who have to go around um, showing off their stuff. And so it it stands to reason that you would be more attracted um, to imagery and that women would be more attracted to stories because it has more, when when women choose a partner, um, you have to factor in finances, stability, security, you know, the, the viability of, of the seed. Like there's a lot of factors that women have to consider as opposed to men. Your job is only just to insert, insert the seed. <laughs> insert. But are there, are there male camp performers? There are. Yes. Straight and gay, I guess. Yeah, absolutely there are. But the thing is, is that there are different, now that we have more feminist porn, so there are different sites where more women are now enjoying imagery, but when it's designed for them. For women, exactly. Right? So as long as it's it's produced by women for women, so it's not like women are are completely against porn. They're against porn that A, is oppressive. Right. um, And B, is made for men, which is not, doesn't do anything for us. It's not interesting, you know, to to a lot of women. So some women like it, but a lot of women prefer different styles. Mm -hmm. So, you know, casting the whole porn thing into into one bucket is is it's wrong it's just wrong like, and it's also that that's the most prevalent that's out there is what's made for men and uh the stuff made for women is out there you just have to maybe look a little bit harder for it yeah it's just but it's it's kind of a new concept yes, right it's yes. really been the last five years yeah. sort of picked yeah. up picked up some steam and mm-hmm. you know we need i would say for all the sex tech companies that i know about they are all run by women like mm-hmm. it is it is it is coming, like, pardon the pun. Uh, <laughs> it is it is evolving towards more women running sex tech companies, which will eventually mean that there are more women at the helm, mm. which will eventually mean, like, so more it's like, available. we're getting there. There's progress yeah. being made, then more women will use these technologies, more women will, you know, view the imagery. You know, audio porn is very appealing to mm-hmm. women because they like to use their imagination yeah. to, yeah. to, it's built on that storytelling mm-hmm aspect of of what women find interesting wow that is interesting so you know we just talked about this um sex sorry the pornography aspect of it but what is your view on real world sex versus so studio produced studio so i'm saying home cam sex of me and david just having sex ourselves uh, versus produced sex where the angles are all there and the money shot and you know the different angles made for men. What is your view on these two different it's styles? Like amateur versus professional. Yeah, it right? could be exactly. Well, I mean, what we can see these days is everyone seems to want their five minutes of fame, mm-hmm. um, and it feels like a lot of people are filming themselves. I mean, also the technology is there. Like, remember when you used to have camcorders? Yeah, exactly. Um, and so some people, you know, did that. Um, but now that there's a place to put it and it's so easy on your phone to make it uh-huh. um, and everybody's looking for their five minutes of fame. Um, so these combination of things means a lot of people are putting out their amateur, their amateur stuff. <laughs> um, Have and, you done any? Uh, no. Um, we had a blast during COVID. I'm sure you did, <laughs> and, and you know, and and that's fine. I think I think that's fine, and it it definitely gives people the real. It's it's not a hundred percent real, but it's definitely more real than a real you feeling. Know, produced right, porn, right? Um, so there's that. But I mean, it's it's kind of like you think about restaurants. I mean, sometimes you want McDonald's, and sometimes you want five star restaurant, yeah. right? And so you know, we we don't all eat always at the same place all the time. So variety is the spice of life. Um, the problem becomes when people feel like, well, I I now I have to do this if if oh, all my friends did it. Uh. Now I feel like I should be filming myself. Like everyone wants a sex tape, and you know, so that that's a bit concerning. Where the the, the young folks now are you're doing feeling it. shame that you didn't make it. Like and <laughs> because also movie. you know once you put it out there you can't take it back. Yeah, you that's know? So what, that's what we say all the time. This too. is this is this is an issue. So you know when you're doing these things at a young age, uh, you don't do it on a connected device. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't do it at all. But I mean, you know we had a very interesting discussion with my youngest son not long ago, and his view is, and it's you know um, I don't know how relevant it is or valid it is. His view is that let's just say in ten years from now I'm just going to say. In number that 
if you if you made a porn movie or you sent a dick pic to somebody, uh, as long as it's of course with consent, um, that you're not going to lose your job. You're not going to be shamed. That eventually it's going to be like like no one will ever get a job because you've got a dick pic out there or you've got a sex tape out there. Otherwise, they won't be able to hire anybody because everyone's going to have one. There's that. <laughs> I mean, but then it wasn't long. It was only just last summer, I think, where. Some uh, a girl uh, in Montreal. She's is she's a she's not a teacher, but she's a she's an educator and was like a teaching assistant or something in a classroom. And she also was doing, um, you know, putting some photos on on OnlyFans. She wasn't doing anything live, just just photos. Okay. And uh, she got fired. Right. Um. So, but yeah, once everybody's got it out there, then it becomes like it's a wash, right? And, Ideally. And I think she was fired because she was in the edu- the realm of education yes but still one shouldn't be worse than the other you, whether you're a teacher or a banker it doesn't really matter if, if the law is that you can't put out pictures on OnlyFans if you're a teacher well you shouldn't be able to do it if you're a banker either. well I mean their, their justification was well what if the kids run into the pictures well, like well that's a parental problem uh, no kidding that's <laughs> right and that's not her issue either yeah you're supposed to be over 18 if you sign on to any of these platforms that's it yeah so yeah anyways his opinion is that everyone's going to have one out there and so you know it's not going to be something that's going to make you lose your job or stop you from I mean, ideally, if LaShaw does its job well, you know, that we do reduce, we moved the needle on making all of this taboo so that it does become not so, not crazy. so bad, not yeah, so not crazy, so not yeah. so bad, so that it's like it, people just don't, you know, don't go, care, don't care anymore. And you yeah. hopefully at the water, uh, you know, you have your water drink at your office that so you're talking about the great sex you had this morning before you came to work or the great sex you had last night and you slept like a baby. We should be talking about sex. It's something that we do. It's it's everybody does it. Yeah, everybody does it. <laughs> to me, out of breathing and eating and sleeping, it is the, the next biological thing. uh imperative that you have in your body and so why are we turning this into something that's like a weird thing i I just can't figure out where that came from but still still, for for those of you out there who are working for corporations read your hr policy (laughs) yeah and if they say you're not allowed and you can get fired don't do it on a connected device because as soon as it goes up into the cloud into somewhere there's some way somehow someone is going to find it no matter how many uh, walls that people say it's behind. Well, get your Polaroid out and stick in Polaroid pictures and watch <laughs> them develop. That's got to be the next thing that's no, going to keep could, you, you safe. You can do it on a phone with no SIM card and no internet connection, and you take it and you store it there. It's like a camera. Yeah, All cameras sure. didn't used to be connected. Sure, sure. Because um, there's nothing wrong with doing it for your own personal use. And don't share it with people. It's yours. It's personal. You know, young people like showing off this and dick pics there. It's going to get out. Don't do it. There you go. Well, we are coming to the end of the show. It's just flown right by, but we do like to leave with some advice. So what would you say would be the top two reasons why people should embrace sex tech and not fear it? It would be the same answer that I would give, whether it's sex tech or not. Mm-hmm. It is part of humanity. Mm-hmm. We all do it. Um, it's it's an imperative. The more we sort of get comfortable with, I mean, I'm not saying everybody should walk around, you know, showing their dicks off and like boobs out and, and you know, giving the details. But we should definitely get more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, like removing the taboo is, is I think, a, a really, really important thing. And that if, if you feel at all uncomfortable, that just means like you need to go search out some information. And do you think that this booming sex tech industry that's coming up is going to like you say, push the needle into being less taboo? Well, because if you don't, I mean, these days, if you're not tech, you don't exist. Ah, gotcha. Um, yeah. And so the only way that we're going to get um, people getting more comfortable with sex or being able to have access to tools that can, for those of us that are sex positive, to get access to tools that can enhance your pleasure, that, you know, that, that can enhance your sexual health and wellness, that can enhance your life through tech this is the way yeah and and i also want to shout out to all those trailblazers out there at netflix and prime and paramount and all those executives who are green lighting the shows that show sexuality in a good light like sex education and sex life and and we saw 50 shades of gray it brought the conversation out into the public's um, domain that says it's okay to talk about this. It's going to take generations to get where we think it should be, but at least 
um, by seeing it on these streaming platforms where people can choose at in their own home, in their own living room to watch what they want to watch. Um, it's definitely making a dent in this, this um, don't talk about it, don't yeah, discuss it. And the shame, it, the, the shame, shame around behind it. it. Mm-hmm. So, um, and anybody who hasn't seen the show Sex Education, go watch it. Watch it with your kids. It's one of the best shows out there. Nice, nice, very nice. Alrighty, Bobby Bidochka, thank you so much for sharing all that amazing information. We're going to have you back here and you can tell us all about this new job that you're um, starting in and how well your conference went. Buy your book. We're going to help you promote your new book when it comes out. Um, Why don't you tell people how they can find out a little bit about you and maybe reach out to you if they have to. So I am at... Bobby Bidochka across all social channels. That's the beauty of having a unique last name so I don't have <laughs> right. to struggle for it. Um, my website, Sexual Intelligence in Business, is where you can find more information about the book, which is available on Amazon today. Yay, um, LSR, the conference is lovewithrobots.com. You can go and register. Um, you can also catch LSR on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook as well. And uh, yeah, soon enough, we'll have some Lashaw social channels to, to promote as well. Excellent. Wow. Well, congratulations for all those nice advancements since the last time we chatted with you. And of course, if you missed any of this information, you can just go to our website, thesexylifestyle.com, where every one of our guests has their own guest page with all their information. And you can even reach out to them from there. Absolutely. And I hope you did like we did today, that you learned a hell of a lot about sex tech and sex with robots and all that stuff um, as we do today as we do every week with all our great guests we hope you enjoy it every week if you have any questions at all you can always send us an email at ask at carol and david.com carol's laughing because i just was talking in circles <laughs> big circles but well, that's okay all righty the end of another great show with a super amazing guest bobby Berochka. thank you so much for being here in our studio today my pleasure and thank you for all that you do and I also just want to give a shout out to your blanket I have it and it's awesome oh thank (laughs) you and we want to thank all our listeners for being there week in and week out it's a reminder to join us again next time for another hour of the sexy lifestyle talking about sex sexuality sexual health and wellness and all the fun ways to spice up your sex life and live happy healthy and always horny. Alrighty, that's it for our show today. Carol and I and Bobby send you lots of love and great sex. Please stay safe. And of course, stay sexy, everyone. Until next time. Thank you for joining Carol and David for this week's edition of The Sexy Lifestyle. We've got another one lined up next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The weekend is just around the corner, so try something new, spice it up, and you just might have the best sex ever.